0: Welcome back to episode 32 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. On this episode, we're looking at trades. Welcome back to episode 32 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. My name's Mitch and I'm your host. We're into a second of one of our international break feature podcasts. Um, as promised, looking into the very popular topic of player trading, uh, particularly as always focusing on the official FPL game. And I am pleased to introduce uh, a new host for this episode, uh, a new voice for you all who you've not met yet, one of the fellow managers from the league that myself um, and Kieran are in, who was on the last episode, uh, and that is Hitesh. Hitesh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Mitch. Thanks. Thanks very much. Really excited to be on here and make my first appearance on the pod.
0: So do you want to give the listeners um, just a little flavour of your uh fpl draft trophies so far and achievements what how how's it been for you
1: yeah sure, sure. and um i guess i guess for the listeners our, our league's quite interesting because effectively each season is broken up into almost two mini trophies so at game week 18 we have a dinner how much you pay for that dinner depends on your position and if you're bottom you end up paying like 100 pounds towards that dinner so effectively, our uh, our season is broken up into two like mini trophies. So I think in the first year I came third and third. The second year I came tenth and tenth, and then this year I'm 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 trading at about eighth. So, um, not not the best not the best draft manager by any means, but uh, really keen for the game. So hoping I can impart some wisdom
0: nice so yeah so obviously we're going to be talking about uh trading today how um what do you think qualifies you for today's podcast
1: what qualifies me to talk about trading that's a that's a good question mitch well i've been on i've been on the receiving end of some terrible trades as in i've been the i've been the manager giving away really good players for someone awful and i think since then i've I've taken a much more structured and philosophical approach to trades, so I wouldn't say I'm your like, you know, wheeler dealer Harry Redknapp, who's going to come out with an absolute bargain um, by picking up Jota before he he hits it big. But I could definitely help give some sort of approach to help other managers think about their trades in a bit more of a structured way. What about you, Mitch?
0: Yeah, I think I said, Kieran, at the end of the last episode, I think me and you are pretty similar in our trading um, frequency and how we approach them. I think we're both definitely on the more cautious end, the more analytical end of uh, trades. We're not going to be jumping into any rash decisions. Um, And I think a lot of managers out there are the same, which is probably why it provokes the anxiety that it can do and why lots of people are quite keen to kind of crowdsource uh, feedback on potential trades that they've got um, ready to go. Um, so hopefully this episode uh, is able to give you just a little bit more direction and just maybe a, a vague structure to hang hang your thinking on um, so that you can you know at least try and come up with a decision within your own echo chamber and then and then bounce that off off of the wider community friends etc
1: yeah, yeah yeah i think i think that's really important because i'm i'm a, a frequenter maybe a bit more on the lurking end than actually contributing posts on on the the reddit discord one thing i notice is that people get a trade option chucked at them and it's thrown up on all of these different forums and it's almost like the person's had a complete brain freeze. It's like there's, there's been no real attempt to value it or try to understand what's better or worse. It's almost like the the mind's being completely frazzled and there's no method or approach to try and figure it out. Um, and just like you said, like, yeah, I mean, I've traded Lukaku for Van Dyke, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out and say that, uh, i'm I'm necessarily a guru but hopefully you have something to help make your own decision
0: yeah well that's the other thing and i think we'll we'll mention it a lot is no one's got a crystal ball and you know they are purely predictions you know trying to encompass as many parameters as you can get but a large chunk of that is is subjective and just on your gut and how you see them so you know there's always there's not going to be any perfect system unless you've got a time machine but how are we going to f- structure this episode then so we're going to go through just some simple practicalities how it works in official FPL uh, look at motivations um, some of the psychology between proposing and receiving a trade how you negotiate And then the main bulk will be on structuring and assessing the value of individual players, which is really what it all boils down to. Um, So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so practicalities for the official FPL draft game um, is fairly, um, you know, there are constraints, you can't be messing around with positions, you can't directly trade a midfielder for a defender, you're pretty much stuck with your 15-man squad as it is with the two keepers, five defenders, five midfielders and three uh, strikers. Um, so when you are making trades, um, the simplest way is to trade a one-for-one with a defender for a defender or you know, striker for a striker, but more often than not, there'll be a multiplayer trade and they have to be like for like in their position. So a defender and a midfielder for another defender and a midfielder. Um, And I know that differs slightly in some other um, draft formats, but that's how it is in official FPL. Um, In terms of deadlines and timings, there is some variability here depending on Uh, the settings that you activated at the beginning of the league so in our league for example it's pretty much um, a free-for-all in terms of the game settings so we don't have any veto options or um, commissioner vetoing so a trade will happen the second the accepting manager clicks accept and the window is the same as it is for sorting out your waivers so once the waivers are processed you know whenever that deadline is that's the end of trading for the week and trading will then open um in the next week so so
1: in other games they have they can have a commissioner veto trades
0: you can have that as a setting in this game
1: oh wow i didn't actually know that
0: yep so there are different settings so there's the commissioner vetoing and then there's um other manager vetoing where if if more than 50% of managers veto it um then then it doesn't go through. And what that means is that the draft the the um the trades can't be processed until the end of the window
2: mm.
0: because all of those veto technically you've got until the waiver deadline as a manager to cast your vote. Mm. Um, which means it does have um slight practical considerations in that you can't as part of a trade, then waiver out that player because the they're happening on the deadline.
1: Yeah, and I guess, I mean, it's, it's probably aimed at making things more fair because people can vote on it, but at the same time, it also opens it up to somebody vetoing a trade just because they don't want to see a player move a certain way. And it's pretty difficult to prove why or why not you'd vote for a trade, but it's, it's definitely an interesting setting.
0: Yeah, I mean, we essentially have a form of it in a more... Casual weight on our group, so that's not something we that's impossible for us to do, um, it's just not something that we're using via the in game settings. But if there is a dodgy trade, then I'm pretty sure uh, it will get flagged up by somebody. So, what is the reason for you to try and look to put a trade together? So, some of the things I've got down here, you might be lacking in an area, you might have ended up with. A number of players from the same team and you're looking to diversify or equally you might want to do the complete opposite and get yourself stacked up um on one particular team um you know there are different reasons for wanting to get players but i wondered if any of those particularly resonate with you in terms of how you've gone about them in the past
1: yeah i mean even the fact that you've pointed some of those things out are really important and i think as a manager it's important to know like why you're going into a trade the very basis of it is, is pretty simple to say, like, I'm going into a trade because I want more points, i.e. I think I'm going to give you a dud and you're going to give me a better player and therefore I'll be in a better point position by the end of the season. But actually, just some of those strategies that you said are really, really important for people to think about when they're thinking about a trade, i.e. I get to diversify away from my three city players or I get to change some of like the positional value that I have from a midfielder to a striker. Reasons why I've done trades in the past... Like I said, I haven't done that many trades, to be honest. Um, Mainly they've been to try and get a one-up in terms of players. Trying to sell players players for a value greater than what I think the value of that player is. So, yeah, trying to sell someone a bit of a lemon, to be honest. Like when I tried to sell someone uh, Van Dyke and get his Lukaku, who I thought he was undervaluing, but actually turns out I'd got that completely wrong and that <laughs> I gave him Van Dyke and got a non-scoring <laughs> Lukaku in return. So, um, yeah, yeah, the main, the main reason I, I tend to do it is to try and sell a player at their peak before um, before they're going on like a little bit of a downturn, slash the other way, try to pick up undervalued players that might be out there in the market. An example right now being someone like Maros, who's basically done nothing and probably trading for pretty low value. Yeah, what's your, what's your thoughts? Why do you tend to why do you tend to enter into trades?
0: Um, I've definitely entered into trades before to try and um, strengthen in areas. If I feel like my midfield's just not really doing anything for me, and I'm too reliant on, well, certainly not this year, but in previous years, if I felt like I've been too reliant on clean sheets for points, um, then I've tried to to move points around that way. I also try and it's probably becoming less of a useful tool now as as managers are really getting serious. But um, I also try and factor in their own personal team uh, allegiance and see if, you know, because that will affect valuations. Not always in your favour, because sometimes, uh, you know, when you watch your team week in, week out, you might have a different view. But generally, I think people do quite like to have one of their own on their team so that they can root for their team and their FPL team without... (laughs) without coming into conflict. So I'll try and use that sometimes. Um, you know, if I'm looking to offload a Chelsea player, I'll definitely ping it towards one of the Chelsea players in the group first. Or if I'm looking to get rid of an Arsenal player, I'll obviously send it to Taron. Um, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, sometimes looking to take advantage of, of another manager's um sticky situation you know like you last year when you had a lot of injuries there tends to be one or two managers each year who tend to rack up a few pretty long-term injuries and end up hoarding them on the bench and you know sometimes for them just fielding an 11 each week can get difficult and you might feel that you've got the room you know if you've got 15 fit players you might feel like you've got the room to carry one of those injuries at the bottom of your bench and pick them up um, for a bargain
1: yeah, exactly. If, if you've got the space, uh, space to carry some of those. One, one of the other things I've started doing like over the past, like halfway through last season, is using um, FPL Draft up to try and see positionally where I am weak. So at the moment, for example, I know because, uh, especially compared to other people in the league, that uh, my keepers aren't getting me very many points. Um, so I'm trying to see how I can maybe trade out one of the premium defenders that I have. So I've got Laporte and Diaz and maybe try and upgrade one of my goalkeeper options to try and get me a bit more points that way. Yeah, that, that that's definitely uh, another way of looking at it as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's good to mention the FBL Draft Hub site there um, because it does give you that breakdown um, positionally of where you're scoring your points, whether you're particularly reliant on goals or clean sheets, you know, how you're getting your points. And you can then factor that in when you're looking at uh, trying to find some value elsewhere. I mean, what are your feelings on when you receive a trade in your, you know, if you get that email notification or you just see that there's been a trade sent to you versus you creating one to send out yourself, how do you feel differently with the two?
1: Oh man, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a real sticky situation. I think it's really interesting, man. I mean, it goes into a whole like psychology of trades. Like, receiving one versus giving one uh, there's a couple of uh, a wheeler dealers in 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 our in our group and when they propose a trade i'm thinking a caram they definitely low boy with some with something because they know they've got space to try and negotiate back up so they'll def- they'll give you some in the initial proposal it will be a lot lower than what they think the actual trade is and they use that to try to anchor the basis of the trade at a lower level than it probably should be. I tend not to propose that much, to be honest. You can almost rely on these like really trade thirsty managers to come to you with a trade every so often. And it's almost like reverse psychology, waiting for them to come to you with the trade means that they're more likely to do it. But in fact, you've wanted them to put that trade in. So as long as you put the right nuggets of information in the WhatsApp <laughs> group beforehand, you can just rely on them to propose it. What's your thoughts?
0: It always feels like you're in a strong position if you're the one receiving that that offer, whether or not it's come out of the blue or if there has been a bit of chat. Um, it always feels like it's better for them to make the first move um, because... I feel like there's always an expectation that there's going to be some negotiating and it might be that you look at that initial trade and think, you know, it's not it's not too bad. It looks like a fairly even trade, but it's even, so there's not really much value in it for me there. But then by, you know, trying to sweeten it slightly in your favour, um, which which is often an expectation of the person who's receiving that trade, that's how negotiation works, then... You know that's where you can you can really squeeze the value. Sometimes just in those you know the little add-on players when you're trying to make it work. You know rather than taking their their worst midfielder, maybe just getting the next one up, which can be quite a big difference. If it's if it's the kind of player that's just going to be surfing in and out of the waiver pile versus you know the kind of player that's going to be a mainstay in your team. Um, so just picking up little extras like that, and it goes back as well. I think to what we were just mentioning about the motivation behind the trade. If you sort of have a sense of what their motivation is, especially if you feel that it's coming from, you know, more of a desperation type place, then you have to make use of that. Um, Equally, if you know that they're flying high, they've got 15 fit players, you have to also try and work out what their motivation is. And you can second guess yourself till the cows come home, but uh, it will definitely... Um, make you reassess whether you're valuing your own players properly if, you know, the guy top of the league is suddenly after one of your midfielders.
1: What, what have been some trades that you've proposed this season?
0: Don't even know if I've proposed any this season. <laughs> um, there's been lots of negotiating, but I don't know if it's ever it's got to um, yeah, nah. the point of, you know, actually proposing one.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same, and I definitely think there's we grow attached to our players and there's definitely some inertia in wanting to propose a trait. There's there's it's so much worse to lose your number one pick and see him doing well in someone else's team. And that fear often we overweight that in our brains. <laughs> like I will I've got KDB first pick. Like I can the thought of me trading him away and somebody else absolutely smashing it with him is probably worse than like coming bottom of off off the league. So uh, sometimes having that inertia, which I think is is the same for a lot of managers, makes it really hard to propose a trade. But it's important to be aware of it and try to, um, yeah, try to see other opportunities that you might have with other players and, and get over that fear that you have.
0: Well, I think that's. Um you're getting into um a kind of economics theory um that whole loss aversion feeling you know whereby the you know you prefer to avoid losses than potentially acquire <laughs> equivalent gains and i think once you've got a little bit of a an emotional attachment to them as well that just really really strengthens it even more. And I think, you know, some managers are definitely built differently. Um, As you mentioned, there's a particular manager in our league who will, you know, sell his own mum for the right price. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, especially, you know, you go through the trouble of drafting them and, uh, you know, you, you get your squad together, they get you some points and, you know... It's, it's the fear of 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 them smashing some hat tricks for one of your rivals is is just immense, and I think it's probably partly why last year I sat on Puky for so long because he had an absolutely blinding start, uh, and Puky we mentioned on the last pod as well. Um, but you know, as you've mentioned already, that the basis of wanting to sell high and buy low just the i just didn't have the didn't have the balls to to sell him high when i should have done because the the fear of him just carrying on what he was doing for someone else uh was too much
1: um that's a really interesting point i don't know where where this question kind of fits into the structure of this pod but might as well ask it now in terms of selling high buying low i know you've actually got a section in your pod where you talk about it Bamford now probably falls into a similar category, although probably as a team leads are a bit bit better than, than Norwich were. How, how do you know when to try and sell high versus yeah how do you know whether to sell high or whether this player is a keeper? Bamford being the perfect example right now?
0: Yeah, well, that's um, we started talking about Pookie in the last pod in response to Bamford. Because he's the most, you know, out of all the players at the moment who are in like the top 20, 30 scorers in FPL, the only one with a bit of a question mark over is Bamford. The rest are all fairly, you know, they're they're all good players who you would expect to be up there. So it's an interesting one. I mean, there's no way of knowing when the right time is. I guess it just depends when... Uh, and, you, and if he is someone you're looking to move on and sell high, then it's going to have to be someone that you're constantly negotiating with, and it, it will just be a, a case of when you feel like the value has hit the right point for you to to pull the trigger, but knowing that if you wait too long, then then the value that you can get is going to drop. So you know, but it that it comes back into the subjective side. It's it's how you feel about Leeds. It's how you feel about Bamford as a player. Um, you know you can also use like expected stats in there as well to work out whether they're seeming to be over or underperforming their their stats so yeah it's an interesting one but generally I think a lot of managers won't hit the sweet spot and will wait too long and by then you kind of are you kind of of the opinion might as well just keep hold of them
1: yeah nice
0: so you mentioned um, the old WhatsApp chat earlier. How important do you see that side of <laughs> trading and the negotiating, the actual the background chat?
1: The, the, old, the old WhatsApp, Lenin, Goebbels, propaganda machine. Um, no, I think it's pretty important, man. The, I think the work on a trade starts far before the actual trade is put into someone's uh, fpl game it starts weeks before when you're commenting on how well that player's done in a particular game or you know maybe they've done a beautiful assist that part of the game cannot be underestimated and if if you're naive enough not to do it then you've got you've got to be wise enough to the fact that other managers in your league will be doing it. So, you know, when, when somebody's got a, when somebody's got a Bamford hat trick and, and and they're posting a few little comments about happening, you've got to believe that that is part of a wider propaganda play to try and sell that player at high. And reversely, when somebody keeps pointing out that, you know, Bale's got no um, output this season um, and he doesn't look like he's going to score an assist at all. Not, by the way, that that is getting to me so far. But when they're doing that, it's, it's a ploy to try and get your player at a low. So, um, yeah, I think it's critical, man. I think it's really important. Um, and I've seen I've seen you do it too, I think. No. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know <laughs> if that's just me, me over, overlooking it to things, but I see it happen all the time.
0: You need to talk to someone about that paranoia, mate. <laughs> It's not going to stand you in good stead. Well, I thought that no, right. was I worst.
1: I thought, well, look, I, I'll give an example of, of the previous manager. We had Kieran. Kieran, um, we had a placeholder player, so instead of Sancho, he drafted in Burke, and if Sancho got signed by Unite, he'd get Sancho. Um, and I remember the propaganda machine in the WhatsApp then. Everybody was hyping up Burke. Oh, he got such a good trade for Burke. Like, should that even be allowed? <laughs> You being at the forefront of that, but that's all just games to make him not trade away that player for for a lower price. So, um, yeah, man, I think the I think the WhatsApp group is rife with uh, that that type of negotiation tactics, and I think it's really important. What, what's your views? What have you seen?
0: I think if I think back to um, season before last, in the season that I I won, um, I was definitely operating. Um, Uh, a real reign of terror over the WhatsApp group every week. I'd be chipping in with um, a little mixture of of misinformation with some real, real gems in there, essentially just trying to create chaos. Really? That was, (laughs) that was my aim. And I think you can do the same in trades. You know, if you can, if you can make one of the other managers make a decision that, uh, you know, wasn't in their plans on the whole, you're going to get a net gain from that, and I kind of see it's like sowing seeds. You've just got to keep sowing seeds, just just little nuggets of, like you said, little comment here, little comment there, and uh, it'll pay off. You'll have a fruitful harvest. Come, come the draft dinner.
1: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And <clears throat> look, I give I give two examples of of WhatsApp and and how how it has been used with me and how I'm using it now. Like, take, for example, Madison. I've got him in my team. He's not been playing. He's not been getting a particular number of assists or, or goals when he does play. But you can't keep messaging on the WhatsApp about all of that stuff. Because if you do, then his value will be a bit lower. On the other hand, when he does come on for 15 minutes against City and he bangs like a screamer, that's the sort of stuff you've got to shout about so that you can try and maintain like a high value for him. Another example, and this is a bit bit more of the dark arts of a trade. I think this was in our first season. a Bit of context back then, Richarlison was a was brand new into the league, I believe. Mickey had just joined Arsenal from United. And somebody basically proposed to me, I had my Richarlison for his Mikatarian. And the guy proposing the trade knew that I would go to another player in the league, an Arsenal fan to ask him how much Mickey would be playing. Um, I didn't know that much about Arsenal's formation, how they played. So I'd definitely go to the big Arsenal fan. And he'd already set up with that guy. He anticipated that move and specifically told him to tell me that Mickey would be playing. So whether or not that's in the spirit of the game, (laughs) you know, I don't know, but there's definitely different levels to how you can use WhatsApp in the dark arts to, like you said, get players for a higher value than that and get a manager to make a decision that he might not or she might not have otherwise have done.
0: Yeah, and that's possibly the reason why we see um, so many managers kind of airing out these decisions on Discord, on Reddit, uh, on Twitter, because they've probably, you know, been sent into this absolute neurosis with their own little habitat of their own WhatsApp group and the, the toxic nature of the cavern the, the
1: cavern of banzer yeah, and just, misinformation and they just
0: need, just need to break get their head above the smoke a minute and uh get <laughs> get um get some random random bloke's opinion just uh just to bounce just to sound it out just for a second just to get a moment of fresh air um, yeah,
1: even even though they have no idea about that bloke's footballing credentials, the fact that he's posting something in an uh, anonymous forum is better than yeah, you're right, the absolute mayhem that that is the the WhatsApp and banter surrounding their drafty.
0: I mean, I trust an anonymous forum warrior a hundred times more than any of you fuckers in in, uh, in the <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know that's clearly where it comes from
1: well yeah you know what on the whole yes then again when i see some of the crazy trades proposed and people asking for advice maybe not i don't know if it's people who you know just again lost in the source not not sure about what but sometimes i see some of the things i'm like you're really trading away your kdb for a rashford for example just because he's had a bad few games like you know Sometimes the anonymous form warriors uh, may lead you down a path that you, that you shouldn't mm. go down.
0: And not, into, I know it doesn't entirely fit in with what I was mentioning, but it just came into my head. Now, I wonder if, because a lot of the players will have, um, will have grown up playing, you know, the standard FPL game where you can chop and change, you know, you can overhaul your team a couple of times each year and just trying to uh, flip into the draft mindset, which, you know, has to be a lot more long term thinking and whether there's a struggle there of um, looking beyond the form of the last three six weeks and and uh, you know coming up with with a ballpark number that they'll have for you come the end of game week 38
1: yeah you're right um, you're right it's, re- it's, re- it's really hard to to switch between switch between fancy. Uh, but at the same time, like taking that long term view, I'm way on the other side, That because taking that long term view, I find it really hard to get rid of players. And sometimes maybe I should be thinking that sh- shorter term, like 12, that 12 week medium term horizon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it segues into what we're about to talk about, which is valuing the players, because you could definitely come up with relatively different values for a player of how you think they're going to perform in the next six weeks versus the season, you know, depending on fixtures, form, uh, and things like that. But I guess it just depends that your kind of nature. In a way, is it? Are you going to be someone that's going to constantly be overhauling your team, trading them in, trading them out, um, keeping it keeping it busy? Or are you someone that pretty much sits on them? Because then, if that's you, your your valuation needs to be based on that that long term game week thirty eight figure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, when it comes to negotiation, I mean I'm no pro or anything, but if I had to give if I had to give one tip or two tips. First is is that the negotiation starts long before the trade is actually put put forward anywhere. The second is never ever accept your first offer that you're given. Like we said in the in the section before, the person proposing trade always has some sort of leeway with what they really think that the value of the trade is. Nobody goes in with their final offer, right? And the flip side of that is, is regardless of like how good you think that deal that you've been given is, you should never accept it because worst case, like you give them a better trade for you. They say no, and then you go back to that original trade, or you go to that better offer that they had for you anyway uh, and and you get one up the example that we just had on in our league is Jota for Mares so that was a big trade that had everyone on whatsapp going absolutely crazy the manager who traded away mares could have got something better for jota than just a one for one trade but probably in his eagerness and um again that that yeah, again, in his eagerness and want to get a really good deal and get it over the line quickly, he accepted it straight away. But it, actually, if you step back for a second thought, I can get something better. He could have got better than just Morris.
0: Yeah, I mean, recently I've had the um, the joy of having to get a new car, and I think there's a lot of a lot of similarities there when you're negotiating buying a car in that. Uh, in a way, with what you following on from what you're saying, when you're sat down in one dealership with that salesman in front of you, the potential to walk into another dealer next door, you know, really fades away. And once you're once you're an hour into some negotiation with the manager for a player, you probably don't consider that you might be able to get a better trade elsewhere. Especially when we're talking about the more premium picks, you know, players that will naturally you know, catch your eye if they're offered to you. Um you know, it's very easy to get into a, into a little bubble with it. And I think the same like you said, the same things apply, don't accept the first offer. Know that they're probably expecting you to counter with with something a little more than what they've what they've proposed. Um and like buying a car, try and see what you can get thrown in for free at the end. You know, that's what you try <laughs>
1: as a little sweetener which you know in
0: that trade you mentioned there was a very very small sweetener thrown in I believe there was a a loan deal for a keeper for a game week okay um
1: but it could it could have been a lot a lot bigger especially considering he was giving Moros to a City fan
0: quite probably
1: (laughs) which uh what car have you bought
0: uh I've just bought a Seat Arona
1: okay I I mean I'd I don't know what that means, but
0: it's like a mini. I... It's like a mini um, mum's school run version SUV. Okay,
1: and it has four wheels. I'm guessing
0: four wheels turns around corners. Uh, yeah, wipes and the rain off when it rains.
1: <laughs> and what sweetener did you get for that manure? Oh, the manure sweetener stuff?
0: I got for that, I'll tell you. Um, I got a protective boot liner for the dog
1: oh really that's mm. that, that's that's actually pretty cool yeah i don't, I don't know how much that's worth but
0: um, it's worth 45 pounds rrp
1: that's really decent <laughs> that's really decent. nice
0: yeah um yeah twisted their arm right off there <laughs> <laughs> what
1: he gave you oh, his no. used his used dog dog line yeah line around. really good um I had I had one final point on negotiation. I know I've given like two final points of negotiation but one more. And this uh, all of the things I've mentioned actually from the same manager uh, and it's a basic sales technique actually. Um, basically when you give someone an offer, there has to be a, a, an impression, a sense of urgency in that trade or that time is running out. You see it everywhere right? when you see an offer, 30 days left, this offer will expire the next hour you get the big pop-ups. I had it with the car.
0: I had it with the car. It was last day of the month or it was the day of the month. And they're like, listen, you know, this, this deal's not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. exactly. Um, But, um, yeah.
1: It's it's a classic piece of customer psychology that make them feel as if there's a burning platform and they have to buy it now. Otherwise they won't do it because they know that once you're out of that dealership, right, you're not going to buy it because you can't be asked anymore. So they want you to buy it there and then, um, you see it with like Sports Direct closing down sales. Like how how, how often are they closing down? Like, well, a lot of them have recently closed down, but you know what I mean? They like, do
0: have a lot of stock, to be fair. It must take them a while to to clear it all out.
1: Oh, My, my local Sports Direct has now been closing down for about 15 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the same principle applies to trades as well. So back to that Richarlison-Mickey um, trade, the way he put that pressure on me was, well, he, he tends to do this in, in multiple different ways. But he either says, OK, give me an answer by X time because I've got another offer that I want to consider. Right. That's that's his classic technique. Like, okay, or I'm you can say,
0: it. give me let me know by X time because, you know, waiver deadlines coming up and I need to sort out my waivers.
1: Exactly. And, that, and that's what he did. He, he proposed it, at I think, 10.00 waiver deadline was eleven thirty because it used to be eleven thirty back then, and he said, Let me know in the next like forty minutes or so because I need to sort out my waivers. And he knew in that time who was I gonna speak to, my you know, also I thought best friend, um the Arsenal fan <laughs> in the group. Um and then betrayal ensued, but yeah, you know, give give them that sense of um yeah, burning platform.
0: Yeah. No, as I said, the same thing happened when I was buying the car, but um, it was the day before the second lockdown was being announced. So it was the day when there was rumours that on Thursday we were going to go into a second lockdown. So um, I was able to play the uh, doctor card and say, well, that's great, but I know for a fact that you're not going to be selling any cars next month. So either you take my deal or you don't. <laughs>
2: That's really
1: good,
0: so then yeah,, That's so re- I was flipped it, flip one eighty on them
1: <laughs> <laughs> they uh they paid you to take the car away, i heard
0: yeah, yeah, yeah they're uh they're paying me back monthly for the next few years <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got them you got them on a credit deal as well, yeah, yeah.
0: you make more money on the credit deals, you know it's it's not a cash game anymore. <laughs> so should we get into the main the main meat meat of this sandwich let's do it um and get into the value you know how we're valuing players because that's really what it boils down to um yes or at least it's what it should boil down to if it if it doesn't view already then that's probably going to be our main uh our main lesson from today um so do you want us just in very layman's terms kind of spell out what we mean by that
1: yeah um it's like a a simple way of basically valuing how much the offer somebody else has given you is versus the value that you are giving to them like because we're dealing with and quite an abstract thing with money it's pretty easy right like some of these if you're buying a house it's like you, you go to a surveyor and they say this house is worth like 150k and you have a value of that. With players, over draft, it's a bit more ambiguous. Like, how do, you, how do you quantify how much something is worth to you? And hopefully we'll have a few ways by which you can have some sort of objective metric to say, OK, this is how much this, this pot of players is worth and what I should measure it against.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so we're talking about um, how many points do we expect them to get for us? Over the season, generally over the season, um, or over X number of weeks. But I think for draft in general, we're looking quite, we're looking quite long term. Um, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So just like that price of that house, hundred and fifty k. What's the price of these players? And that price can be measured in terms of how many points are they going to get you over the course of the season?
0: Yeah, and so obviously the the, the basic unit of that is to is to pick a single player in that trade um, and work out how many points you think they're going to get over the season now obviously most trades are going to be happening mid-season so you're going to have to you know factor in the points they've already got versus the point total you expect them to have at the end because I think realistically it's easier to put the figure on where you think they will be at the end and then take away rather than trying to work out how many more points they will get you from that point onwards. Um, So what are some of the techniques, Hitesh, that managers can value a player just in, in general terms for now?
1: I think like, like a really simple one is, yeah, like you said, think about Where, how, what total somebody's going to be at at the end of the season, and a really simple way to do that is look at how many points they've got over the past few seasons. So, Sterling, for example, you can, you know, over I don't know, I don't know exactly, but I know he's got between like 200 and 230 points in the last three seasons, so you know, as a ballpark, that's what he's going to get. So, that's probably the simplest way, I mean. And often it's, it's, it's good to just start simple and start have a simple like method, but just look at what they've done over the past few seasons uh, and use that as a as a basic measure. I think that's often a really good way to do it.
0: Yeah, and that information is is really um, easily available and I'm not sure everyone is aware that it is, but if you go to the kind of normal FPL, so fantasy.premierleague.com forward slash statistics um, and click on any player, then, when their their box comes up, um, you can see all of their previous seasons' um, points. So, if we take um, Sterling, for example, who who just mentioned, um, I can see going back um, over the last few seasons, he scored two hundred and four, two hundred thirty-four, and two hundred twenty-nine points. So. Oh man, pretty...
1: I hadn't even prepped I hadn't even prepped that one and I was bang on, check that out.
0: Yeah, there you go. So coming into it, and it's you know, it's um probably you can use this very much in your draft day prep as well, because those those early first round picks, you're really looking for someone who can pretty reliably return you two hundred plus points from from the first round. And so hence why Sterling You know, Sterling, KDB, uh, Bamiyang, Salah, especially, Marne, why why all those names are up there as they were. Um, So, yeah, like you said, that's a really easy way. And if you're not convinced that there's a direct comparison, some people will look at the minutes played. um, And I think some people maybe get a little bit too caught up in, in the minutes played. Section because someone like Sterling, in theory, you will draft if you draft them on draft day, will be there for you, barring any trades for the entire season. So, regardless of how many minutes they actually get on the pitch for, that ballpark points figure is, is there, it's just there, yeah. So,
1: yeah, and, and, uh, so a really simple one is to look at how many points they've done historically. If it's like a new player or they haven't been there that long, take like Bruno Fernandes, for example, um, you're not going to have that historical number, but you can still group them approximately with a band of players and so you'll know what they'll get. So take Fernandes. He's probably going to be in, in that similar bracket as those players that we've just mentioned based on his output at the end of last season. So you know he's going to be somewhere between, if we take a slightly lower um, lower end, but say somewhere between like 190 and 240. Um, a new signing, um, like, a, like a Madison, for example, you know he's going to get somewhere probably between 130 and 150 points based on what he's done on, on what he's done historically. And then that's similar for the other players in that same same bracket as him. Lastly, someone like Bale, um, considering where he's at now, how many minutes he's going to get, he's probably going to get somewhere in the range of like 120 to 150 points. Um, so, you know, like broad, like rough range of where they're going to be. Obviously, there's some variance in that, but you can kind of batch them with with players in the same same category.
0: Yeah, I think Bruno is a good example of where some of the, the difficulties lie with, with the newer players, especially someone like Bruno who started off you know, like during Project Restart, absolutely smashed it. So, if you were to just extrapolate that over a full season, I think his his projected points would have been over three hundred, um, which you know, not impossible. But considering, I think only one, maybe two players have ever got more than three hundred points in an FPL season. It's not entirely likely, but it gives you a sense of how well he's performing. And I think a really good. Um, recent ish example along those lines is a Bamiyang who joined in the January transfer window in uh, the seventeen eighteen season. And between them, you know, between him signing and the end of the season, he scored just under 90 points in, in yeah. just under a third of a season. And in the last two years, he's got 205 and 205 points on the dot. So super consistent, reliable uh, points scorer for you and you know proving that even with that that little half or third of a season even a quarter of a season of data if you if you look at them and and see they're playing well and they're a big signing then you can reliably extrapolate it to predict how they're going to do next year.
1: Exactly, and uh, on that, I think you can use the FPL statistics as well. So, if you want to take it um, a step further and not just like ban them with equivalent um, equivalent players, you can take a look at how many points do they get per match. And I think that the FPL statistics link that you said actually shows that. And then and then try to think about how many games that they play. So, Kane at the time of this pod is on ten points per per game, which is pretty high he's not really going to maintain that I think the top players tend to get around six six seven points um but you can take a look at someone like Aguero who probably gets about seven eight points per game you can probably think about how many games you think he's going to play this season considering his injury record and then try to try to calculate how many points you think they'll get in in the remainder of their their season um Again, Bale using that same approach. Say the top players, like someone like Salah, gets somewhere between six and seven games, and you know he's probably going to play like thirty-seven games. Bale, on the other hand, might get a lower output per game, like say four to five, but he's also going to play a far fewer games as well, considering his age, the fact that his knees are made out of plastic. Um, <laughs> so he's. probably... <laughs> even though he might have you know, a similar points per game, he might only pay like 25 to, to 30 games in the season. So you can use that to say, you know, he's probably going to get, I think similar to what I said before, somewhere between like 110 to 130 points this season.
0: Yeah. And you can take it as far as you want. You know, you could get um, really specific in terms of, you could look at how many goals they've scored Um, you know reliably over a few seasons how many assists they've got whether they're someone that seems to attract uh, bonus points which isn't something to completely um, ignore and use that to kind of work out where to where to ballpark them and I think just looking at how certain players have performed in recent years can give you can give you a perspective especially I think defenders are a particularly and goalkeepers are particularly clumped um there's pretty low
1: variation uh,
0: yeah the st- the standard deviation is pretty low generally amongst keepers and defenders um in terms of between each each of them which again is something that can that feeds back into draft day prep in terms of why defenders and goalkeepers fall towards um the later rounds because there's just little to choose between them and it's not going to benefit you that much picking up you know a Tarkovsky or you know someone like that in in a high round because he's going to be in that kind of 140 bracket on a good season and down to around the 100 mark on a on an average season and and they're going to be dozens and dozens of other players who will fit that mold all the same
1: yeah exactly and um I think this uh, really fits into that, that concept of like the relative positional value. And maybe that's a topic for like draft day strategy, but it's about the opportunity cost of getting that player. Tarkovsky, like you said, say 130 to 140 if Burnley ever start keeping clean sheets, which I hope they do because I've got Pope. Um, but if you don't get him, then you're going to pick up another player, another defender who's going to get like 120 to 130, absolutely no problem. On the other hand, if you don't get a starting striker... You're going to be out there with Howell, Robson, Carnu, um, <laughs> or, or picking up McBurney on the waivers each week and you don't know what's going to happen. You could easily come through with 40 points. You're there, game week 17, getting in Benteke, hoping he's going to get your goal or assist and that's just not a position you want to be in as a manager.
0: No, definitely not a position you want to be in. Definitely not. Okay, I think... What we need to also mention then, and we've kind of it feeds into that um I think whenever we've talked about uh, numbers we're we're giving a range generally of where they're going to fall um and some players will have a fairly you know narrow narrow range, other players it's going to be a bit a bit riskier so the that the ceiling's a lot higher, but the floor's also possibly a lot lower. Yeah. So then it really depends what, what your appetite for risk is. So when we're valuing yeah. for trades, generally we want to try and get it down to a single number, which is probably going to fall in the middle of that range just to make the, the calculation. But yeah. part of what will make some trades feel difficult to value is when you're, when you've got that in the back of your mind whether some whether a player's got a really low floor like whether you're not sure about their spot you know their starting spot in the team whether there's talk that they might get sold in January whether they're an injury risk but equally it could be the opposite way around and someone like Bale for example who we know could you know go on a great run and same with Jota because of yeah. You know, the nature of him potentially being the striker, the centre forward for Liverpool with Mane and Salary, the side of him, all these, you know, getting into the more subjective side, which then puts their ceiling higher. And that's part and, you know, keep keep sort of linking back to the negotiating. But um, part of that is what you will be upselling when you're negotiating a player is, is you're trying to sell the manager the ceiling cost. Um, yeah, and you're trying to That's buy likely. at the floor costs.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're trying to get that dog <laughs> liner in for free, you know. Um, and and part of that seeding and floor is is the what's that propaganda like we talked about? But yeah, I think that I think what you're talking about about risk is important. Firstly, for you to understand, like how much risk do you have in your team? A and how, how much risk are you willing to take? Like B. So, for example, if you have Bale, Pulisic, Jota. Benrama um, as your midfield, it's a pretty high-risk midfield. And that's okay if that's what you're willing to take on. But be be aware of how much you want to take on, because at the end of the day, you need to have players on the pitch getting you points um, for you to actually get a, a high points total. So again, back to FPL draft up. one thing that I've seen, one of the cool things that it breaks down is, how many different types of points each team gets so for example how many points you get from clean sheets versus how many of your points you get from players um, getting bonus points one of the things I always notice is that guys on the top tend to get a lot of points from players playing minutes it's it's your most reliable source, source of points so try to think about your team how much risk you want to take and at the end of the day you'll need to have 11 players playing so think about the risk that you want and don't get too many Agueros, Pudliciches, Bales, so that you're not getting that kind of basic foundation of your team's points.
0: Yeah. And I think that it, the the risk you might be prepared to take on is, is, um, is a dynamic thing. You know, the risk that you might be willing to take on in game week five is not going to be the same in game week 35 when, you know, you're going for, for some Hail Marys in there to, to try and get a late surge, or you know, you're getting towards mid season and you're you're falling a, a decent away behind the pack and you need to to try and gamble on some of those high upside picks doing the business for you. So it, it will change. And I think we've seen you know trades definitely get a little looser towards the end of the season because you know that, that loss aversion drops because there's only going to be x number more game weeks that they can screw you over
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly
0: we should probably before we start getting into some proper numbers just touch on some of the subjective stuff that you have to try and think about as well we've mentioned a few already you know injury risk is definitely not something to ignore and it's definitely something to to throw into negotiating if you're potentially getting an injury prone player just to try and neg them a little bit in the eyes of the manager selling them how well their club's doing you know if you know like Burnley for example having a having a tough year the the value of the likes of Wood and Barnes is has fallen off a cliff this season compared to what it might have been beginning of last year or a year before Um, and that's purely down to how they're doing collectively as a team yeah, any any other things?
1: Mm, injury transfer risk becomes a thing once you're in the actual windows. Transfer, yeah. injury, team form, probably the biggest ones.
0: Yeah. And then there's just your individual kind of, you know, lots of people call it the eye test, but just your gut feeling on how they're doing at the moment whether you think they're playing really well and likely to feature more they might have made some substitute appearances and you think that they're good enough to get into the the starting 11 or vice versa you might have a player that's you know a nailed on starter every week has been doing okay but you're just seeing signs because we all watch our own FPL players a lot more yeah exactly solidly and carefully than we do the others um, you might just get a little just a feel that they're not quite cutting it and so you're looking to offload them before that downturn becomes too, too evident.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When it's, uh, I think Kieran mentioned this as it's, well. It's, it's important to watch games match the day to understand like players, where their points are coming from and whether they're going to be re- reliable or not. Like JWP, for example, had a bang in weeks, got 15 points, but two of his goals were from free kicks how many goals is a player realistically going to get from free kicks a season? Uh, very few. And it just happened to be that he had a couple bunched up in a game. So watching watching players, understanding understanding the nature of their role and whether it's an outlier or something that they're going to con- continue doing is, is good to look at. Mm.
0: I guess for people who don't put as much emphasis on that is where the likes of XG and XA comes in. Because like you said, the the XG of a couple of free kicks outside the penalty area um, is not going to be high versus a striker that's continually getting chances on the six yard line who might have, you know, been unlucky, stuck a couple over the bar, hit the post, you know, looking to try and predict how they're going to continue. That's, that's the kind of value of those stats is to what you know to try and work out what their expected returns are i mean it's not i don't know how much you look at xg and xa or have ever used them much
1: no i haven't used them much i don't don't actually know where to access it where can you actually see it for free
0: um it's a good question i don't know if there are that many places where you can see them for free they're often where do you see it on fantasy football scout so and i mean do you know how those stats work
1: uh, it, not really, to be honest. I see them on on Sky Sports sometimes, but I don't understand the kind of actual calculations behind them.
0: So the the basics are that at the end of a game, a player will have an XG number. Okay, so an XG of one means that they are based on their touches and chances. They, sh- you know, you would expect them to have scored one goal. Okay, and two means two goals, etc. So for each shot that they take will be assigned a value usually. And and they're always a decimal point less than one because no shot is going to be guaranteed to be a goal.
1: I was going to say unless it's a Bruno Fernandes penalty.
0: Well, penalties, penalties have a relatively set number. I think it's about 0.75, 0.8, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, like a shot from the halfway line might have a a score of like point zero one, or even less. You know, so yeah. um, and then cumulatively it adds up to a total of whether they should be expected to score a goal. So I guess it kind of gives you a numerical um, version of the eye test in that if they are likely to be getting in good positions, then that xG number will be high. But it's not a foolproof system because it's a completely it operates in a vacuum it just puts a cross on a digital pitch as to where the shot was from doesn't take into account whether there were four defenders in the way or it's an open goal it's based purely it's based purely on on where it is because it's otherwise it would become otherwise it would just become impossible to predict so it's it's a it's, a, it's an indicator rather than something you can fully 100% hang your hat on. And it's, it works the same for XA, but for assists.
1: And it doesn't take into account the actual player themselves, obviously. It does not. But, okay. Okay, that's, yeah, so exactly. So that's really... So good players,
0: um, good players like your Canes, your Sellers will, you know, when they get their hauls, like when they score a hat trick, generally their XG will be less than three.
1: Okay so they're overperforming generally
0: they will overperform because they're they're better players they can they can score from what are considered on paper slightly harder positions than okay. than so, Robson Carney <laughs>
1: So if you're trying to value <clears throat> the value of someone and you know you're really willing to go the extra edge in your league to try and win and actually pay for extra resources (laughs) then i guess you could try to find some xg stats on some of the players that are being offered and see if they're outperforming or underperforming and how much they're outperforming right to see if it's uh, sustainable or not
0: yeah so generally you want to in on paper you want to be wary of someone overperforming their number and be you know a bit more pro a player that's on because the expectation would be that their goals will come. They're just unlucky at the moment. So a good example is Che Adams, who yeah. um, I don't know the numbers exactly, but has been absolutely smashing XG getting loads of chances in the box, not sticking them away. So he'd come away some games next year of like two with, you know, no goals. And so you can add those up over the season. So um, each game, the total kind of notches up so you can look at what their season xg is and it might be like 16 and they've scored 14 or something like that so um mm. he was miles you know really really underperforming his xg now one reason for that can just be that they're a shit player and you know they're getting in the right spots but they're not going to stick him away but if it matches up with an I test that says no he's a good player he's just gone lucky he's hit the post a couple of times then there's potentially value there to to find
1: that's really cool yeah and um if you could send me your login then (laughs) i'll start using i'll start using that as well
0: yeah we'll talk about that after so (laughs) should we get into some numbers get into some proper examples
1: yeah let's do it let's do it man uh have you uh any any trades in particular you'd like to go through maybe we can maybe we can take an example from discord or um
0: Yeah, should we look at a couple of recent ones? Should we find... Let's find um, a two-for-two trade. Yeah.
1: Two-for-two trade. Uh, Okay, I'm on the Discord. Here's one. Mane Jota, Jota Jota Mm -hmm. for ZH Sterling.
0: Okay. Do you want... This is
1: from... this is from Drew72, who I think it's actually a pretty big poster. Uh, so Mane mm-hmm. Jota for Zh Sterling.
0: Yeah, so you can kind of, you can see the, the balance of it quite easily in that you're looking at equating Mane and Sterling and Zh and Jota. Is how I imagine that trade came about.
1: Exactly. Uh, so let's, maybe we can start by a really simple model and looking at their historical historical points and we can use that to kind of total up where we think they might get to and then yeah so sterling yeah, we've kind of done points. already
0: in that he's in that just in he's just over the 200 mark usually
1: just over 200 once yeah sec, just.
0: and given how man city have started and how they're kind of playing at the moment it's probably fair to to estimate the lower end of, of his range for now um, okay. I'd say something along the lines of 205,
1: 210. 205. Let's get yeah. 205. Mane's got two two one and two three one in his past two seasons. I think he's pretty reliable, so maybe we can put him in the bank bank middle of that at 225.
0: Yeah, he's not really performing any better or worse um than he has done over the past couple of years. So then Ziyash and Jota are the interesting picks here, aren't they? That's where the where the value's coming in the risk.
1: Yeah, so for Ziyech, we have no data, so maybe we could go by putting him in in some sort of bracket of of players. What what kind of bracket would you would you put him in um, for for midfielders?
0: Yeah, it's difficult in the context of Chelsea, um, specifically. They're obviously playing with lots of new faces. The, I guess the most direct, he he's pretty much replacing Willian in that team. One number to throw in would be that Willian got in a pretty good season last year with nine goals, and nine assists. Willian got 168 points. How many minutes did Willian have out of interest if you have it? He played a lot of minutes, 2,600. The other way would be to flip it and look at how um, Pulisic has done so far, which is difficult because of his minutes, but he got 127 points From seventeen hundred minutes, which is pretty good. And then the only the only other kind of data that you could throw into the mix is is um ZX historical data. Now obviously that's coming for Ajax, so it's you know, they're a pretty dominant force in in that league, so it's not the most um but just to give you an indicator of of you know what what he's able to do looking at some of his league seasons he's got last year he got six goals 13 assists and the year before that he got 16 goals and 17 assists so he is someone goals hmm.
1: no wonder you drafted him so high
0: so he is someone who definitely favors the assist but is no is definitely not shy to to scoring as well so using that kind of data and how we've seen him if you had if i if i was just plucking a number out of complete thin air assuming he continues to get decent minutes i'd say a good season for him would be around the 170 mark.
1: Yeah exactly. A, a good season would be that if he got the minutes. Otherwise yeah you're probably looking at somewhere between 120 to 170. So a big range a big range yeah. on him.
0: So if we put that together with the 168 that William got in the same position and the 127 points that Pulisic got in 1700 minutes, we're landing around the same sort of 170 point mark. Do you agree? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Maybe you could go a bit more conservative and go for like 150 or something because you don't know how many minutes he'll get.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not really a direct, a direct. Uh, comp- there's not direct competition in that spot per se. They can move players around, which which works in his favour. It's, it's kind of varies on the system and yeah I mean if you wanted to be more conservative you could go go to the 160 but uh, I guess given it's his first season in the Premier League it's probably wiser to slightly slightly drop that to 160 I'd say put him at 160
1: I've right, got to see it for 160
0: so then we've got jota who's hard to value for for very different reasons because we've got data on jota in the Premier League but not for Liverpool so we've seen him have a very you know a really good season well we say he's had a really good season he got nine goals and eight assists which which sounds good that was playing 2350 minutes and he managed to rack 139 points over the season combining that with last season similar amount of minutes he got 105 points so we've never seen jota put up kind of world beating season total
1: yeah and at, at the at the moment he's on 4.7 points per match
0: mhm so what does that give him over 38 games
1: over 38 games it's 180 mm-hmm. points i guess there's this this i guess there's two there's two questions about him firstly whether you think he'll play 38 games, mm-hmm. and then secondly, whether he'll actually maintain 4.7 points per game. I think the bigger question in that Liverpool team is probably how many minutes he gets and how many games he gets. Rather than you'd hope he can continue that output, but it's whether he'll actually get those minutes consistently.
0: So, I think he definitely will not get the minutes of 38 games. There's obviously um, an established you know, he's the usurper here. In a, for a very yeah. much established player who they've had massive success with regardless of how he's playing. And from what we've seen at Wolves, um, I don't really recall, I'm not really basing this on much, but I don't recall him being a massive injury risk, but I'm sure he must have picked up a few to, to miss out on the minutes that he did. Um, he yeah. definitely looks better than he did last year. So I don't have too much of an issue putting him in a similar productive bracket to that first season at Wolves. I also don't have too much of a problem with that current per game number that he's sitting at. Because I think even off the bench, he's going to be someone that's, that's going to get returns. But I think in terms of an overall yeah. season total, he's going to be playing max two thirds, max two thirds of the games. So whatever that 38 game week yeah, projection agreed. was, I would take um, two thirds of that.
1: Yeah, and that, that that puts us at about one twenty-two, mm-hmm. which is bang in the middle of those two two previous seasons he gave. Of yeah. Him.
0: So I think assuming he's got the, you know, he's got the slight star factor now that he's got Mane potentially Mane and Salah either side of him, um, and they're going to be putting a demolition job on teams a lot more than than Wolves necessarily can. I would. I'd be inclined to just inflate him slightly. So where have we got him now? One, two, two. I think if you were valuing him in a trade, one thirty would sound fair with a red shirt on, rather than the orange shirt of Wolves. I don't know what you think of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially, yeah, absolutely. That's part of that Liverpool front three.
0: Yeah. So where are we at then with either side of this trade? So. Jota Mane we've got at
1: 355 ZH Sterling we've got at 365
0: okay. which is good in a way because that passes the initial glance that it's a tight deal it's not one that you can make snap decision on uh, and it's echoed by the numbers now obviously just from listening to us wrangling those numbers there there are you know I could uh, countless variables that we've factored in to nudge those numbers or base those numbers on and your opinion of those variables could be where you're finding where you're seeing value in that trade now for if we were to assume or if you were to be of the impression that Jota so at the moment it's a narrow win to Ziyech Sterling but if you were of the, under the impression that Firmino's done Jota's going to get you know get a start every match in the league up front then that you know that 130 number quite easily becomes 160, um, yeah. 160, 170, 170 and yeah. the trade suddenly falls in the favour of of Jota and Mane,
1: and uh, the other way as well, which is the way I'd probably lean is that if you think Jota is not actually going to get that many minutes, Mino, even though he's not producing that much, they still won a Champions League and a Premier League with him doing his job in that role, so. If he's not going to get that many minutes, then he, he might even get closer to a hundred or hundred and five. Yeah. Again, that swings it the other way, and that that makes it the trade in the opposite direction.
0: Yeah. And then on on the flip side, you might think you know Man City are not going to have a great season. Sterling doesn't look as good as he has been. He's not got Aguero there to to. To score and set him up so that 200 points mark might seem like a reach for Sterling this year so you might you know nudging that down to the kind of 180 190 mark and so you know there are different ways this trade could fall depending on what your biases are but it's you know on paper it's a tight trade and it really just comes down to those those more subjective things in a way when you put the numbers down like this it, it makes it easier for you to go with your gut because if you look at it on paper and think, yeah, it's quite it's, it's quite fair, but my gut tells me Jota's going to have a great season, or, or ZX going to going to explode in his first season, then it it makes it easier for you to pull the trigger, knowing you're not going to make a horrendous error if it doesn't quite pull off how it might do in your head. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and the purpose of it putting it down on paper is so that you have at least some sort of number that's driving your decisions, and then you're consciously aware of what your assumptions are and how you how you think that that will affect the trade as opposed to just like arbitrarily thinking oh Jota's is going to do really well therefore he'll get me lots of points but sterling might not oh no i don't know how many points he's going to get what shall i do oh i'll chuck it up on the group and see what they think it just gives you a, a bit more of a structure and then um What's interesting in this trade as well is some of those other points we talked about risk and um, reliability. So Jota's not going to start every game, so you've got to be uh, aware of that. If you've got another six players who aren't starting most games, you've got to think about can you sh- can you shoulder that risk? Are you able to take that unreliable player? You're also got a more of a concentration risk in Liverpool with Jota and Mane. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you've also got if you've also got Trent. Um, Robbo <laughs> Salah maybe you're a Liverpool fan and this is your dream um, but on the other hand do you really want to put all of your eggs in one basket up to you either way not right or wrong um, but important to look at those, those different risks in these trades
0: yeah I think that was quite a nice nice illustrative trade there should we have a look at another one yeah let's do it should we go for a slightly more complex one
1: what have we got what have we got on the Discord a never-ending set of trade uh, <laughs> trade options. All right, I got one here from EOR twenty-five FPL twelve-man team. He says, "Would this deal improve my team on the left side?" And it can be Adams instead of Mope. TAA will Ayan, Mope for Cody Sterling Cavani.
0: Okay, so who would he be getting?
1: He would be getting Cody Sterling and Cavani. Okay,
0: okay. So we've got three for three. We've got. Defender, midfielder, striker, just to make it a little bit more difficult. Um, Well, we've already put our number in for Sterling, so we can use that again. We've got him at 205. You're happy to stick with that?
1: Nice. Yeah, yeah. Take the easy win. Should we do do TAA? That's probably an interesting one. So, what's he historically done? I think he's been pretty consistent, hasn't he?
0: Um, So, last two seasons, 210 and 185. Okay,
1: and if we take into account their massive injury crisis, how many fewer points do you think or how many fewer clean sheets do you think they're going to keep?
0: So that so those totals were based on them keeping four or him getting points for 14 and 16 clean sheets.
1: 14 and 16. okay
0: I'd be inclined to I'd be inclined to say 12 just to be conservative. Yeah. you could even go lower. Do you think he's only dropping four clean sheets? Yeah, but that's... Um, in this season. The other thing that he's... I mean, the main he's, that's not his main source of income. You know, he got 15 assists last year. Four goals. So it's, it's a question of whether you think he'll sustain that. Plus, he's injured now, which we have to factor in.
1: Oh, yeah. He's had his little... Uh, his uh, soft muscle tissue injury, hasn't he?
0: Mm. I mean, I think he'll still be one of the best defenders in the game.
1: Yeah, but the... the the ceiling's likely to be a lot lower, isn't it? Yeah. What would you put him at?
0: I think the ceiling would be 180, but realistically, yeah. I'd be looking at more around the 160 mark.
1: Yeah, I agree. With the loss in clean sheets, the general, like, no cleanies this season, and his injury as well. So a so fewer minutes, probably 160 is fair. Yeah.
0: I think an easy-ish one to value is Connor Cody um, because yeah. he's he's like an ever-present in the team as so long as he's fit and Wolves are fairly yeah. fairly um, tidy for clean sheets and he's not someone that's ever got a goal or assist in the Premier League so you can just forget about that. Um, he, last year he got 118, and the year before he got yeah. 94.
1: Wow, that's lower than I would have expected, to be honest. I would have have put him at about 100, maybe 125.
0: Doesn't really pick up bonus points. And as I said, yeah, doesn't get any goals or assists. I mean, I think we could be conservative and say 100. 100? If we're we're putting him in the middle of those two numbers. 105, go on then.
1: (laughs) Uh, should Should we do Cavani for ease?
0: Yeah, and then that's really done. easy
1: because I'm gonna tell you, he's, I'm <laughs> gonna tell you, he's gonna get absolute fuck all <laughs> points this season. So we can put him at zero. <laughs> I'm only half joking. He's gonna come off the bench, like grab a few goals here and there, but I really don't see him getting many points this
0: season. Hmm. I mean, what? Give me a ballpark.
1: Um, let's try and find a. Uh, com- is, there, is there anybody who compares to him? Well, I guess... From um, last season.
0: Not from last season, but Falcao and Ibrahimović are the kind of... The names that's... That's,
1: that's the range that you gave in uh, in your pod, as, uh, in one of your pods as well. I don't think he's going to start anywhere near as much as Ibrah. Um, actually, let's try and maybe break his down by points per game and then number of games that he's going to get. I think on average, if he scores like one every three games, I think he's going to get like three points three points per match, three points per match. How many games do you see him playing?
0: Yeah, he's going to get his points in little pockets, isn't he? He's going to have a game where he'll, you know, get 12, 15 points and then just get one point off the bench for a few. It's going to be a bit feast and famine.
1: Yeah, I can see him getting maybe like 40, 50 points, 60 points at max. What's your thoughts?
0: I mean, how many goals do you think he'll score? Whether from the bench or from starts, how many how many league goals do you think he'll get?
1: Six. Five, six, six.
0: Six goals. Um, and, and assists?
1: Four, five, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could call it six. What would you put him at? Plus, I think with, with appearance points, because he will start some games, and he's likely to be someone that gets some bonus points for those appearances, I'd put him at 80.
1: You want that 80 number, don't you? Okay, for the record, I think that he'd be lower. But again, like this is part of, this is part of the exercise, right? Like People will disagree, but at least we have some sort of mm. method of valuing where we think he'll be.
0: I think his star factor is hard to ignore and is probably what will be naturally inflating him in my mind. And it's difficult to separate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So we have... Cody, 105. Sterling, 205. Cavani, 80. We've got 390 on that side. Mm-hmm. On the other side, we have Trent on 160. And we've got Mopey and Willian, two value.
0: OK, should we go to Willian?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I don't know much about Arsenal or... or
0: well, or he there. had that opening match where he got three assists and then since then has done absolutely nothing at all. And that year, last year, where he got nine goals and nine assists is his best ever year. And he got 168 points. But if we look back, because obviously he's been for Chelsea for a number of years now, I'll just read out his totals going back. 108, 130, 114, 135,
1: 104 and 82. So what's an average there?
0: About 112. Mm -hmm. And what's his current scoring rate? So he's got seven appearances, 27 points. So he's operating at about four points a game.
1: Okay, cool. Do you think he'll play for 30 games?
0: Which, you know, fits pretty much with that total. Um, He's got Pepe as competition, and it's not completely insignificant competition because he's not really been cutting it. Not that Pepe has either, but there's certainly a question mark over it. So I think that average score we pulled out is probably not going to be too far.
1: Yeah, let's put him down at 110. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm okay.
0: uh, and then finally, we've got Neil.
1: Yeah, real attitude issues.
0: <laughs> I d- I've got a soft spot for Neil. I feel like he's a more, a more, he's like a Riviera Mitrovic. <laughs> he's a little bit more refined, but similar, yeah. similar mould.
1: Are you saying that because they have really short cropped hair?
0: Yeah, Probably. Um, so we've got one season of Premier League data 10 goals 3 assists 131 points
2: hmm okay
0: Um, we're Uh, 8 games in but he missed 1 game and he's got 4 goals 1 assist so he's probably he's slightly ahead of of last year's scoring
1: let me just find his uh, points points per match that's pretty high he's he's on about 5.4 mm-hmm
0: and you know his his standing in the team hasn't changed the amount of goals he's got so far is is slightly above that that rate over the season if we think we're what four-fifth of the way through
1: so i mean even if we say he has he has a slightly better season um at, at 140 considering how he's doing do you think that's fair
0: um. So he's on thirty-eight points already. The seven games he's played, he's played ninety minutes. So when he starts, he's pretty much there. I'd maybe go one four five. All right, let's go one four five. But yeah, you could you could argue that. So how are we looking?
1: There you have it. So the TAA Trent Willian Mope side four fifteen, and then the Sterling side three ninety.
0: Okay. So similar-ish difference to the previous trade, and again that kind of. Does it yeah, I guess that makes sense looking at it on paper.
1: Yeah. And again, if you're thinking about the different risks in each one, Cavani's not gonna start most games. So you're looking at a very streaky player. Again, if you've got if your team's full of people who aren't gonna start, then that's something to take into consideration. Trent, Mopay, Relayan, by the looks of it so far, uh, the only the only player that's the points total is probably a bit more of a variable there is Trent, depending on the clean sheets and whether he can uh muster those as assists but that 415 is probably relatively accurate I'd say same as the same as the 390 yeah. unless you think Kovac going to have a stormer of a season which I'll tell you now he <laughs> don't
0: and I think both sides you know TAA and Mope are certain starters and Cody and Sterling are more or less certain starters as well and then you know Willian it's probably more more assured than Cavani, but there's question marks over the two of them. They're not they've certainly not got their spots properly nailed down. But yeah, I mean the 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 upside on Cavani is that he suddenly gets starts in the team and it looks like he's you know, he's the main man. If there's a system change, new manager comes in and want a bit more of a you know, more ruthlessness up front at the spearhead there and he gets a run, then suddenly that, that projection nudges up a little bit
1: yeah i mean like if there was a if there's hypothetically a south american manager to come and take over united who has an affinity with other south american players then yeah maybe cavani <laughs> will start and could be the focal point <laughs> of, of that attack
0: he's just hypothetically obviously
1: yeah all, all completely hypothetically yeah
0: fine great to what do you
1: think so it's that trade what, what would you say what would you say to uh, the person who proposed it take it or leave it
0: um, so I would to
1: eor to eor twenty five.
0: Yeah, I would. I would have to leave it. Yeah, I would have to leave it. I think there are going to be Cody caliber players that you're able to uh, pick up off the waivers with a bit of skill. There will not be any TAA or Willian or Mope level players that you're going to pick up off the waivers. And we all know just, just looking at Mopay in particular, how scarce strikers are and having a having one that's a pretty decent one in your team is pretty valuable. So yeah, I I would stick. But I can see the I can see the allure of having one of the big names like Sterling in there on the other side. Because what you've got um are a more closely packed together three on the TAA side versus the the range of players. On you know between Sterling and Cavani, for instance, on the other side.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, and and if your range in the rest of your team is pretty stable too, then maybe it's worth taking the risk on on that trade. Just because you can shoulder a bit of risk in your team.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, I think we're pretty much there. Just one final point to make and get rid of uh, get our head out of maths mode a little bit is just to mention uh the point we've got written down on creativity which we have sort of alluded to yeah yeah but is something else to factor in and it could be something that you know if you're such as the two trades we've just gone through which are pretty tight that you might be able to try and squeeze in just to get the trade over the line if you're particularly keen one way or the other so one of uh, something that's become quite popular in our league, and I know happens in other leagues, is loans. Yes, yeah, so loans. Obviously, what they say on the tin, it's a temporary trade. So you're looking uh, very short term, you know, over over one or two weeks, and they can be just that can be the trade, or they can act as a sweetener. So you could have negotiated one of the trades we just talked about. But in order to, you know, just get a little sweetener, you might think my keeper's got, you know, both my keepers has got a really bad fixture next week. Can I loan one of your keepers for the week and we'll call it a deal? So you've potentially opened yep. up um, a much better avenue for six or seven points for your keeper next week and you've got the trade over the line and it goes back as it was the week after and you give your keeper back um that's that's probably the most common way we've had it in terms of a sweetener wouldn't you say
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah
0: but it could work definitely
1: for That's because it's the, it's the easiest one to sort out as well which is why it's yeah so but common. i mean
0: you could do it for any position in theory it just gets a little bit more you know a little muddier.
1: Yeah, and push, man. Try and take their Aguero. Well, not obviously now, but you know, try and take their Sana for a week. You never know how desperate they're going yeah, to be to do
0: never the never hurts to ask. What's the worst that can happen? They say no.
1: I think the other one we've probably seen is a buyback
0: clause. Yeah, which... Um, have we had any of those in our league so far?
1: I don't think so. I think we've, we, we, we've seen it on the forums and stuff. Pretty similar to... In actual football, you can, you can have someone back in the future or you have the option to reverse the trade for a certain amount of time so like buyers regret you know it kind of, kind of mitigates that
0: i think usually there's there's some kind of parameter put on it like you know if after two games they've not played a single minute or something yeah. then then you can flip it um, which just gives you a little bit more insurance that that the player is going to perform in some way
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really good. Yeah, so maybe you can get that for yourself in that trade, get yourself a bit more protection. Yeah. Or if if a player becomes injured in the next three games, then you can reverse it.
0: So I think we've pretty much covered everything we wanted to cover with a few little excursions here and there. Um, Anything you want to say as a kind of rounding off? I I think
1: we've covered most of it. I think tips probably never take the first offer, going back to that, never take the first offer. Think about how many points each player will get in a season, and you can use different things to calculate that. That will give you some sort of guide on where the trade is landing, and then you know it comes down to your judgement and what you think is going to happen, but at least you have some sort of model to see what the value of that trade is, and that will get you like halfway, 60% of the way there, and it will stop that feeling of brain freeze when you get a, get a um, trade thrown at you and lastly and most importantly remember that uh, just like a manager a real manager because at the end of the day we are real football managers yeah absolutely. you know, you've got to be very careful about how you speak about your players in public you know Ferguson would never publicly um, admonish his players and it's got to be the same view it doesn't matter if if Madison's having a bad week or something you've always got to be very positive and hype up his good qualities uh, and do the reverse to other teams so that you can start the WhatsApp propaganda game early and get the best value for your players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think the final thing would just be to say that everything we've talked about is obviously a guide and is no no substitute for your gut feeling at the end of the day. If you fancy the trade, probably not much that's going to sway you. But just putting those numbers down just, just gets it out of your head, onto the paper or onto your spreadsheet. It's almost like a different point of view that isn't another person with objectives and motives and hidden agendas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly that.
0: Okay, so that's it for this episode. It's another feature episode on trading. Hope you all found that one useful and enjoyable. Uh, Another long one, which is a change from the norm, but I have... Had a couple of messages, people saying that twenty minutes each week isn't enough. So you know, we're giving the people what they want, uh, especially during these these dark times without Premier League football. Um, <laughs> hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed hearing a a new voice on the pod, um, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, lending us your voice, Hitesh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. Been a pleasure. Been a keen listener of the pod so great to actually come on and give some of my two cents
0: yeah well thanks thanks for joining in so as always if you uh, enjoyed this or enjoy the podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes um, leave us a review it's really helpful and if you want to reach out, the easiest way to contact us is on Twitter at FBL Draft Pod. You've had quite a few messages over the last few weeks, uh, different questions and feedback on the podcast, which is really useful and great to hear. As we've mentioned a couple of times, be sure to check out FBLDraft which is completely free and gives you access to all of the ownership stats that I mentioned in the week to week pods and also gives you some of your team breakdowns that we've mentioned in this episode which you might find useful in deciding what your motivation is uh, behind a trade so best of luck ahead of uh, the waivers i will be doing uh, a quick game week nine preview before the waiver deadline but in the meantime and as always stay shook
1: sick Nice, wrapped up.